Well, welcome back to our study on Galatians, and we are going to conclude this wonderful letter today. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 is where we will be, and we're going to summarize this and wrap it all up. But Galatians is an, is an immensely important letter that Paul writes, and it's really interesting. All of Paul's letters really are written to address problems, and he applies the principles of, of Christ's teaching to address problems in the early church to bring about, first and foremost, unity, but also blessings and good results of what they're trying to do and spread the gospel. Uh, as we read through Galatians, we see that in this particular case, the serious problem is that there's a group of people that's sowing division amongst them, that is causing an uproar amongst them and some problems. And that problem is they are demanding that God's will, that the teaching of the law is, that in order to become a Christian, you must first become a Jew. And that requires circumcision in order to be pleasing to God. And Paul makes the case throughout Galatians and makes the point that, uh, first of all, that's not true. He gives a little background about these people. They've been a real problem for Paul. They've been influencing a lot of the early church leaders, including Peter. And, and Paul has to try and set him straight because um, there, there was some trouble with adjusting to a new culture for Jewish people. They come from a life being raised in this law and in this practice into a new era, a new paradigm, a new dispensation under the Christian age where now they are free from that law. Why? Because that law is no longer necessary. It's obsolete. What it was intended to do, it has now done. Provided order, provided um, a way of life for the Jewish people that kept them alive until Jesus could come. It also provided them an understanding and was designed to open their hearts and minds to the concept of a savior and of sacrifice and sanctification. But they got so caught up in the ritual and the rules that they uh, began to make that the focal point. And Jesus comes and he frees them of that because through Christ alone, we are set free from sin. Through Christ alone, we are worthy in God's eyes. Through Christ alone, we are saved. And Paul makes the point that you are heirs to this great inheritance, this beautiful blessing, which is the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And if you want to slide back into that old law, and not just into its practice, but into the binding of it on others, into the demanding that it be followed by others in order to attain fellowship and communion, well, then you are surrendering. You are surrendering that blessing. Now think about that. Paul says you can't have it both ways. You can't accept the grace of God through Jesus Christ and then still enforce the law as though it is required to be saved. Because either you are saved by faith or you are saved by works. But you cannot uh, be saved by both. You've got to pick one. Um, and in fact, we know from reading Paul and reading others, um, works will not save you. Uh, but Paul is making the point that you, if, if you, you, know, you can't claim Jesus as the sole source of your salvation and then bind on people the requirements of the law as though that's what saves you. Because in doing so, you are denying the power of Jesus Christ. You are insulting the cross of Christ. And you are sliding back into a, a lesser than situation. You're surrendering something greater to take hold of something lesser. And enforcing it on others is dangerous and even sinful for you to do. That's the point Paul is making. You're heirs to a promise and you're surrendering the promise by accepting and teaching that circumcision is required. Uh, so... He, he, he gives his case for why that is unwise. In the last chapter, chapter 5, we talked about 
the the being led by the spirit or being led by the flesh. Paul is talking about, you know, if you're following after the works of the law to be saved, you're following after the flesh. But Jesus came and delivered us the spirit, and we are saved in the spirit, and we work in the spirit. And in fact, he talks about the fruit of the spirit. And fruit is, as we talked about last time, the identifying characteristics of something. It is the resulting good works of something. And it is also the means of reproduction for something. So, um, to identify Christians, to identify those who are led by the Spirit, also uh, to uh, see the good works that come from being led by the Spirit. See, there are works involved in our Christian life. They're not what saves us, but they are the result of being led by the Spirit. And then to proliferate the gospel, to share the gospel, to spread the message, to uh, make new Christians, we bear fruit. So when we read the fruits of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit, Understand that Paul is talking about the good works that result, the identifying characteristics, and the evangelistic uh, tools of the, those who are in the Spirit, who are being led by the Spirit. And we kind of concluded chapter 5 on that note. So let's go to chapter 6. All right, let's begin here. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. I want to stop for a second on, on verse 1 here. He's saying, look, there's going to be sin. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be offenses and transgressions. When you find out about it, when it comes to light, restore that person in spiritual gentleness. All right? Come to them. Help them to make amends for that. Help them to reclaim their life from that sin if it's an ongoing problem. But be cautious as you do so. Okay? Don't let them drag you into their sin. Bear one another's burdens, verse 2, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What was the law of Christ? Uh, the law of Christ, love the Lord your God and love others. Uh, it seems that, that the love of one another is a, uh, a highly regarded concept when we, when we talk about the law of Christ. So bearing one another's burdens, being responsible and accountable to one another is an important concept in Christian living. For if anyone, verse 3, thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap the uh, will from the flesh reap corruption, and the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Okay, so this has to do with what we put out is what we get back. We reap what we sow. We understand that idiom a little bit. Uh, but there's two ways to go. You can do things to serve your own life, your own flesh. And the term flesh there is just meant to refer to earthly uh, things. If we are doing work to, to benefit our earthly selves, if we are doing things for our earthly glory, if we are doing things in the context of Galatians to earn our salvation, then we are off track and that's all we're going to get. Remember Jesus said that when the Pharisees were doing things like fasting and praying to be seen of men, that they had received their reward in full? Um, God's not going to thwart your plan. If you want to receive glory from man, if you want to receive attention from the people around you and that's what you're after, God's not going to thwart that. He's going to let you have that. You go right ahead, but that's what you're getting. You don't get 
the other blessings. If all you're after is the glory of man, the betterment of yourself, the enrichment of yourself, the good works because you think that's going to be pleasing to God, if that's all you're after and your heart is far from him, then you're going to get what you're after. You're going to get the accolades of man. You're going to get good deeds, but your heart is not going to be with the Lord. Okay, so you have to make a choice. Are you going to chase after this world? The, and, and when I talk about the good works, right, that we're doing in the world, I'm not saying like the genuine good deeds that, that Christian people do. I mean, if you're going through the motions, if you're going out there and doing all the right things, but you don't have a heart that's grasping and clinging to Jesus Christ, then you're off track and you need to be restored to a proper path. And Paul here is laying out that when people go after these things, that's what they're going to get. And so we have to also have a, co a collective mind in the church that we are responsible for one another and we are accountable to one another, okay? Because these temptations are out there. And he says, God is not mocked. God is not going to be mocked. No, you know, if someone wants to go out and do works of the flesh, uh, then they're going to get what they're sowing. They're going to they're receive what they're after. God's not going to thwart that, but... They're not going to have, be partakers in the kingdom of spirit-led people and spirit-saved people. Um, and verse 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then we have an opportunity. Let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we want to be people of faith, and we want to take care of people of faith. See with what letter, with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. This is verse 11. We have a bit of a transition here to the close of the letter. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. So in other words, Paul's saying, I'm, I'm putting this in bold, italic, large. He's uh, in our vernacular today. Paul is texting them in all caps. Okay, that's what that's the point he's making in verse 11. He says, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. They're trying to build themselves up as, as uh, leaders, and they are trying to enforce a law that is obsolete, and they are doing it for themselves, for their glory, uh, and not for God. So let's go back up a little bit here. He says, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. See, they want to keep one foot in the Jewish world so they don't face the persecution from those folks and one foot in the Christian world so they can belong. They don't want to face persecution for the cross of Christ. They're trying to give themselves an out. There's some political motivations here to this. They're trying to give themselves an out. They're trying to have a barrier of socialization or of, of association. For even those who are circumcised do not keep themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the, is, upon the Israel of God. For now on let no one cause me trouble for i bear on my body the marks of jesus the grace of our lord jesus christ be with your spirit brothers amen and with that paul concludes his letter to the church to the christians in galatia and he pleads with them to set aside this argument and to put down this effort to disrupt the church by binding on people things that are not bound by god 
we must be very careful speaking for God. There's an old saying that's uh, pretty pretty widely known in the churches of Christ, at least. I don't know about your faith tradition, but in ours. And it's a quote, presumably from Alexander Campbell, who said, we should speak where the Bible speaks and be silent where the Bible is silent. And we have repeated that phrase for over 100 years. The problem is sometimes where the Bible is silent, we have a whole lot more to say. And we must guard ourselves in the way the Galatians were charged to guard themselves and not let people confuse us, disrupt us, and divide us but work together to pursue a life of faith, a life in the Spirit, and the good fruit that that produces. Thanks for joining me in this study of Galatians. Hope it's been a blessing to you. I'll see you next time.